now beginning transmission 128. Mara, file under sports ball. This week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Tenders all while trying to not sound like complete morons in the process. You can find these idiots on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. You know no, what? You read too many comic books. <laughs> we now join Brian. I'm too sober for this shit. Here, here is a drinking game to play while you listen to this episode. Please drink responsibly, and don't take it too seriously. And if you don't like it, blame William. Take a drink anytime Mr. Porg decides to interject himself into the conversation. Shut up, Pork. You need to take a drink anytime Manny Bothans makes an appearance and I get groans and fuck yous from Adam and Maya. Fuck Manny Bothans! Manny Bothans is pure genius. Take a drink anytime someone refers to me as the cum dumpster. Take a drink every time the shame bell makes an appearance. Shame! Also, take a drink anytime uh, we act like the member berries from South Park. Remember when they were on South Park? I remember. Yeah, and take a drink every time we do the bad German accent, yeah. Ah, drink, fucker. If you have any suggestions for rules you would like to add, email us at funnybooksandfirewater at gmail.com or use the contact link on our website, funnybooksandfirewater.com. So I spent too much on my most recent in-stock purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, I only got five books. Does that make it okay? No, because I knowing you, you probably got like big omnibuses of things. I got five absolutes. Uh huh. Okay. So what I, are those? I, um, it's that oversight. You know Maya's big ass edition books. Oh, okay. The big ass edition books. I got Preacher an absolute, and then the Wonder Woman's an absolute from Cliff Chang. He's the guy that drew Paper Girls. Oh, okay. So he did um about fifty issues of Wonder Woman with Azarello, and then Preacher an absolute. So it's. Now, do you have individual trades of Preacher right now? I do. So I'm actually looking to potentially offload them or gift them and curse and gift some, them, someone with it. Because absolute <laughs> Preacher is an absolute gateway drug to the world of comics of how awesome and crass and I still need to finish Preacher. I think I'm on like book six. Well, Which is fun. <laughs> I've, I've got one through nine that I'm not going to be needing. So the problem with absolutes and any hard covers or general omnibuses is you're not laying down in bed holding it. They're too big yeah. and awkward for that. So that's not really something, but I mean, it's higher quality paper stock and it's just big ass imagery. So if the art is good, the art looks amazing. I'm going to be kind of interested to see how um, Preacher comes because though I enjoyed the art, it was nothing. Um, it's a little bit cartoony mm-hmm. and it's nothing mm-hmm. crazy detailed. Yeah. So that might be a little bit interesting, but you know, on the same thing, I would say the same of Chang's work on Wonder Woman, like his Paper Girl stuff. It's very stylized and it's good for it, but it's not, it's none of this, um, I'm not going to say it's the anti-Alex Ross, but <laughs> it's on a different playing field. Yeah. I mean, Preacher is definitely a product of its time. You can tell, you can yeah. see, oh, this was written like what, 93 or was it or something like that? Yeah, I was coming through there, but it, it's, you know, it's special place in my heart i mean he wrote that he did hellblazer for a long time preacher came out with um he he and the artists were doing still steve dylan and um garthiness were doing hellblazer instead of doing a subplot for hellblazer of this they decided to um make it its own series so they were already on vertigo with hellblazer and they had this idea but no it's awesome i hear like season three is really picking up and becoming great finally yeah i own 
season one. I think it might even own season two, but I I, I liked it overall, but it, it just didn't feel like it was fine. <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't anything like a, a special or outstanding. It was just kind of like yeah, it was there. It was there, and then I'm hearing reviews on. I haven't watched any of season two at all, but your season three is really picking up. So, question: So the the TV show Lucifer is that the same one from Sandman? Yeah. Same source material. Okay. How about that? Okay, cool. Yeah, because that's one yeah. I've heard is really, really good. And I know, it, I think... I enjoy, I watch the TV show Lucifer yeah, a lot. I'm a big fan of it. Netflix picked up season four, and yep. I think, is it one, two, three on there? Or is it Hulu? I don't know. I think it was Hulu. I've been watching it on Hulu. So, uh, I want to be surprised if it ends up on Netflix since they pick up season four. But it was, um, Lucifer was one of the, um, I mean, made by Warner Brothers, airing on Fox. So, it was expensive for Fox keep airing so and got the cut when they were looking to cut a bunch of stuff so but they um changed it quite a bit for the tv show i mean there's elements that are absolutely there and a lot of the nouns are the same but yeah this weekly procedural with the devil but yeah the conceit is the same but, yeah yeah it's fun it's fine that's when you finish sandman too so. <laughs> so no it's and sandman it's great i've been working i've been working on sandman too but it is yeah i can see why neil gaiman's been so gaiman's coming to town to the yes. apple theater mm-hmm I want to go, but I don't have the money right now. <laughs> I want to go. I haven't bought tickets yet, and the um, cheap seats are now about a hundred bucks. Damn, really? Yeah. I, well, I have the season. Uh, I'm a season pass holder, so I should see because I get discounts and stuff sometimes. You want to go? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll look and see. What yeah, the discount. I'll buy it for both of us. Cool. I'll, I will look. Remind me after this is over, so I can hop on there. Actually, our first show is like in two weeks. We haven't gotten our tickets yet. Hmm. That's worth looking into. I think our first show is Waitress. Oh. I bought a flex pass for PTC this year. There was only three shows I was kind of interested in. Yeah, they have... They're doing Sweeney Todd, are they? They're doing Sweeney Todd. So I'm doing Oslo, which is actually their first play. Richie's in that. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, And Sweeney Todd, and then um, The Lion in Winter. Oh, okay. I don't care to see. Their, like, big musical of the year is Grace. Are they doing Once again? And they are doing Once. Once is, like, one of the best things I've ever seen on stage. I love it. And so what happens is... Um, there, now, here's the trick of my follow-up to once. I have a kid due at the beginning of December. So my January through February, March... Oh, it's all fucked. It's fucked. <laughs> Let's just start with that assumption. Having one of us being able to get away in the evening to do this sort of thing is one thing. Mm-hmm. Having both of us have a date night out for the first 12 weeks, probably not so much. So, Uncle Brian will fly out and watch The Little Bastard. <laughs> so we've actually settled on a we haven't settled on a name we've got a name in running that I think Brian would quite appreciate what's that it's um um you've heard the first one but I was trying to do it it's I think it should be Danger so that Danger know, could be her middle name I brought up Crime Fighter because that's what Pendulette did that's true his daughter's name is Moxie Crime Fighter yeah um, and then who is it? Uh, Lee, Jason Lee, his daughter, I think it's pilot or kid son is pilot inspector. Pilot inspector. But is it, but is it well like S P E C T R E? I don't know. I, I I don't know much more than that. Pilot I, I, inspector. I haven't paid enough attention to celebrities spell children's spelling of names. I mean, you've got Apple and this other stuff. Blue. Yeah. The other one we have in running, which we've had forever, is. Oh okay. By the way, that one shouldn't be on the air. Are you keeping a secret from the family? Is that why it's not familiar? Because I am doing the most ridiculous names, and I have people nervous because I'm just completely straight-faced about these ridiculous names. So it's not that you're keeping a secret like you're doing a big reveal. It's just like you don't want me to take away your ability to fuck with people. That's right. Okay. I'm just verifying what that that. is. Well, all of Amy's siblings and whatnot, they were also secretive and like, we're not giving you a good name. We don't want any input. So... Mm -hmm. And I'm the kind of guy that says, I'm going to be taking surveys, and I'm going to probably ignore this information, but <laughs> yeah. I'll take all the input and say, man, you suck, but I'll, I'll listen. Yeah. So I'm kind of turning it on its head, and they're like, what names are you thinking? And I'm like, Fibonacci, or I kind of like that one. Or my dad says, like, well, what about Hortense? And I'm like, that is this truly awful name. It really is. I can't believe your dad made that as a real suggestion. Well, he talked about that was his mother's childhood friend. So it's it's not a made up name. It was someone's. Well, I, I know name. it's not a made up name, but it's one of those things where it's like, logically speaking, just think about it for five seconds of what a kid named Hortense is going to get called in high school and junior high and elementary school. My, like, my, that's the thing. 
once you're an adult, you can kind of deal with that shit. But you got to think about what that kid's going to have to deal with as a child. Oh, absolutely. You know what I, mean? I mean, my uncle wanted to name the business uh, Pilkington Metal Services, which sounds all fine and dandy. You know, the acronym. So, yeah, until the acronym's PMS. And he's like, what's wrong with that? And you're like, don't do that. Well, okay, that's... But, like, there's this weird thing I was telling someone. I was actually mentioning it to somebody when I was going to the Rob Zombicons yesterday. That Utah, in general, they just don't... Either they're just too naive or they don't think about any negative connotations when it's anything that like they always have the like when we have like dance groups that come out almost every utah group has at least one song we say you can't play that song because they don't understand like a lot of times it's like a rap song or whatever they don't understand what the lyrics are like they don't they're like too fucking stupid or What's naive wrong to realize with, like that i want to lift yeah. you from your ass to your clip I oh, I know, right? That it just reminds me of a, of a Dave Chappelle bit when he's talking about that song, Get Low. He's like, uh-huh. skeet, skeet, skeet. He's like, they say skeet, skeet, skeet on the radio. They can't say that. It's like, you know why they say it? White people don't know what it means. <laughs> yep. True. Damn white people. I would was... say Utah's the whitest state in America, but I think that's Minnesota. I don't think so. Minnesota had Prince. Yeah. I, you know, I think I installed the one black guy I came across. I was there for three <laughs> summers. And I found a I, black guy. One. I am shocked by how many white people there are in Utah when I go there. Like, it's oh, it's almost unnerving of how white it is. Like, it, and as a white person, it scares me just a little bit. Yeah. Like, I go there and I'm like, there is literally no fucking diversity here. Like, it's Well, weird. they're all um, recovering Zientologists. Zientologists? Oh, right. That's can't. a new word. That's the new word? Well, you can't say Mormon, and, and the fuck am I going to say 15 words to describe them when one will do? I just... I just thought it was funny when Richie from Radio from Hell went on. It was like, oh, it's like it's offensive. It's like saying the N word. So my new thing yeah. now is Mormon, please. Mormon, please. It's like saying the N word as they're painting over the word Mormon. I'm a Mormon at the MTC. It's so offensive, and I'm like, Dude. are they really pro- are they really doing that? Yeah, because there was like an I'm a Mormon. You know that huge campaign. Yeah. Shots of them painting over that. So it's like, oh, it's offensive while they're still like busy trying to eliminate it from all of their propaganda. I mean, it's the Mormon newsroom is their PR department. Yeah. They have yet to change. They're going, oh, it's an offensive yeah. term for us. Well, we, we've, always, we've called it ourselves. We've always been at war with East Asia. That's right. So. Actually, anyway. that's, a, that's a book you guys should do for Hooligans, 1984. What? Uh, yeah, it's one of the ones I really want to do. It's actually one of the books that inspired me to do it. That's part of the reason why we uh, started with um, Anthem. Anthem it's because 19- it's a very similar book. A precursor to 1984, but very similar really in themes. Mm-hmm. So doing that one so quick is a bit of... Do you guys have um, Slaughterhouse-Five? We're doing Cat's um, Cradle next. Okay. Yeah, we are doing Cat's Cradle next. No, it's, it's definitely on our list. I mean, because I have... Personally, Slaughterhouse-Five is one of my favorite books of all time, so I have, I have bought that in almost every format imaginable. Like, it has further changed the asterisk for me. Exactly. Which is the beautiful thing about that book. It really is. Like, I see an asterisk. It even makes me sound. I'll glance at a keyboard and just look above that number eight. And I'm like, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, they turn the eight sideways. It's infinity. So it's asshole infinity. The infinity asshole. Right. Challenge right. accepted. <laughs> you got you to be out of Trump for that, so. Uh, I don't remember what episode number this is, but this is the end of our month of sports ball comic books, so uh, we can stop pretending like we know anything about sports. We know a little sports. about sports, but not a lot of sports. Uh, but so uh, this week we are reading Mara from Image Comics. Mara! Uh, is it Mara? Mara, Mara. Is it Mara? I guess it is Mara. Mara, not R. Mara. Okay. Uh, so... Anyway, uh, so correcting my grammar, we have Mr. Well, actually, no, it's my pronunciation. Correcting my pronunciation, we have Mr. Todd. Hi, I'm Todd. You can find me here on the Funny Books and Firewater podcast as a co-panelist. I'm also on English Class Hooligans with my better half, Amy. Hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. Amy. Um, And then I'm just here in Salt Lake. If you see me, come say hi. Having a good time. Yep. And, of course, uh, also in Salt Lake, hanging out with Mr. Todd, we have Mr. Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? I do stuff with Big Shiny Robot. Uh, occasionally, the Board as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Hi Andy. Hi, Andy. Uh, you can also find me over on Cinema Queens with our good friend Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hey, Chris. Uh, and then curating our grinder, scruff, and types with the Z accounts. So That's where I saw it. What? So, okay, so I Spider-Man. talked about... Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched it, but I sent you that video of. Uh, I, I was a friend of mine informed me that there is a goth drag show called Dragula. Sounds kind of which, awesome. 
Uh, it has some of the most quotable moments. I just watched the, the trailer for season two. It was sort of like a red carpet event, and they had like a video from the red carpet event for season two. And on the the, the stop and talk or the 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 background, you know, the, where everyone does their photo uh, yeah. location type thing, they had it was one of the sponsors was Scruff, and I'm like. I know that that's like a gay dating site, but I'm like, I don't remember where or why I know that. And then, of course, I realize like, that's where it is. But, but my favorite quote from that little video is, uh, uh, I believe a winner of Dragula should be able to blow the lacrosse team and still make the gig on time, was the, uh, <laughs> the quote. It was like, that, yeah, that video cracked my ass up. So, like, I... It's it's pretty extreme. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch it at some point in time, but uh, I think it's on... Vice Network is what I was told. Right. I think. Mm, I'll check it out. That, that sounds really uh, interesting. Yeah, I think you were drunk the night I texted you probably. Uh, about it. So, but uh, yeah, I sent you a link to that video. Uh, it's probably way back in your conversation somewhere. But uh, yeah, there's there's a link to the video there. But uh, anyway, oh and hey, I'm Brian. I'm a uh, sound designer in Southern California. Uh, yeah, and just doing shit. Uh, so getting into it. Okay, this week's book is. Um, Mara, is that how we're saying it? Mara, like Kara, Mara. or Tara, or Sarah. Mara. Okay, Mara. Okay, so this is this is book is Mara. It's about a, uh, basically, a, what, she's supposed to be like 16, 19, somewhere in there? She's didn't make a mention. Like, like 17? Yeah, 17. Yeah, she's like 17. She's like 17 year old, it's in the future, and she is the greatest volleyball player known to man, and uh, sort of as the world has gotten shitty, Sports have become more important because people are distracted by them, and she starts to manifest superpowers, and that's basically where the book starts. Um, and uh, that's, you know, that's their nice spoilery preview for it. Um, but of course, with every book that we read here, we need a drinking game. And now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game, and if not one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. So, uh, Mr. Todd, what is your drinking game? So my drinking game is... Was he writing, watching Akira while he wrote this? Okay. So it really plays into more of the end of the book as you're watching this. Yeah. But someone had a man crush on Akira. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Okay. So every time you're questioning whether or not, uh, every time you're seeing connections between Akira. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Mr. Adam. Uh, mine is it's over nine thousand. <laughs> so every time she develops new superpower. Okay. <laughs> Uh, oh, I, and I'm then most people will get what that reference is. So <laughs> I don't know if I completely get what that it's reference is. It's from Dragon Ball Z. That's right. Oh, I definitely don't get Super that reference. Saiyan! They have whole episodes where they're just like drawing in their power, so it all looks like they're trying to squeeze out a turd. I've seen the vid. I've seen the images of that, but I, I am not yeah. familiar with Dragon Ball Z. Like, Dragon Ball Z is one fun, but like you'll literally have like five episodes where they're just powering up to fight, which then the fight takes like two seconds. That's kind of a bummer, man. Yeah, it, it's it's a They're pretty standard filler thing. episodes. Yes, <laughs> the original filler episode. Uh, and uh, so my drinking game rule is: Oh brother, where art thou? Uh, take a drink every time the word brother appears. That one is actually more evil than you're. That is. Want to talk to my brother? No. We'll kill yeah. him if you try to talk to him. Yeah, yeah where's my, my brother? brother? That is a threat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. I'm your brother. Oh, blah blah blah. Yeah. So anyway, there's a lot of that there. Um, okay, cool. So, um, since we've had a little bit of failure in the past, let's uh, we'll go individually, just a quickly yay or nays on whether or not we believe that it is worth our dear listeners' hard-earned time, money, and effort to go hunt this book down, sit down, and read it. Um, so, uh, Mr. Adam. Yes. Todd. Yeah. And I'll go with a yeah. Cool. Uh, well then, I mean, Todd, you're the one who'd read this before uh, the rest of us uh, when we recommended this. Is there any other forewarnings you think people should have before heading into this book? I mean, not too much. I mean, the trade, it's one and done. So if you buy the trade, it's the story in its entirety, and it that's it. So the great thing about it is you just buy this one volume, and it's everything in it. And um, you don't need to know anything beforehand. And you, if you've seen the um, movie Akira, kind of have an idea of what's to come. <laughs> Spoiler alert! That's right. So yeah, you know, it's good fun. I'm, I have always had a hard on for Brian Woods writing for a long time. 
So I originally picked it up. It's like, what else has this guy written? He wrote this. I'll get that. Yeah, because I those things. I recently finished up his entire run on DMZ uh-huh. um, and really enjoyed his work. So what else has he done? So he did um, DMZ has been his big one. He, the Massive has another one he's been working on. He did Northlanders. There's seven volumes of that. Black okay. Road is another one. It's like ice, uh, Viking stuff going on there. He um, Supermarket was another one of his. I'm just naming off titles, but DMZ has been definitely his largest work to date. Um, we read his Alien Salva- um, Alien Defiance mm-hmm. was written by Brian yeah. Wood, so we did that volume <coughs> on the show. So um, he does a lot of writing for hire. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of thing? I mean, he does his own personal stuff. Um, he has a original called Demo. He did a while back that I rather enjoyed. A bit of slice of life going on, but mm-hmm. he um, he writes characters well. I mean, if you read DMZ and it's all it's what 12, 13 trades. I think it's thirteen. Uh, it's twelve trades. Twelve trades, and it's um, yeah, it's coherent. I mean, he goes off in side stories for a bit, but he comes back to the main line, and it's um, he does a good job of tying everything together. And at the same time, it's satisfying, and yet not everyone's happy. Yeah. So he writes that sort of thing well. I mean, he um, did a run on Robotech most recently as well for a trade or two. So he's um, always working, but he doesn't seem to be doing a whole lot with the big two. Oh, is he more independent now? Well, even Vertigo is a semi-independent. I mean, it's an imprint of DC, but he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't do a lot with the um, mainline superhero stuff. So maybe it's just not his bag. I I think if I were to be a comic book writer, I think I would. Other than maybe Batman, I don't know if there's a lot of main characters I'd want to write. And even then, I think that I would probably shy away from Batman because I don't know if I'd want that kind of pressure. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's a crazy print. You're watching the world of comics today, and with like Image and whatnot, and these whole deals. Like Brian K. Vaughn is the perfect example. Um, I would say none of his best stuff falls under the main big two banners but he's written for marvel and dc he wrote a few issues of batman i mean he did doctor strange he did some x-men um his probably most best big two stuff would be runaways and that was the one he created on his own Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so for vaughn and then you've got your um saga which has been this huge thing he's got paper girls and even before that why the last man which is vertigo Uh, Mm -hmm. vertigo kind of image just beat out the um ownership rights of what Vertigo was offering so all the cool stuff that was happening in Vertigo kind of evaporated and Image took Well, the, also their main publisher who was picking all that stuff she yeah, moved Karen, on as well yeah, Karen Berger left, so she's with Dark Horse now Oh, that's interesting Sorry, I'll stop bloviating <clears throat> No, you're not No, but that might make yeah. sense because there's a sure. there's, I've, so I've been on a, a reading kick for uh, uh, Matt Kent yeah, um, who has a similar vibe to uh, Jeff Lemire, which is why I've been reading it. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of his stuff is actually published through Vertigo or through Dark Horse. And I'm wondering if, if that's part of her doing or not. Off it could, yeah, know. she's got her own imprint with Dark Horse. Um, Dark Horse. It's Dark Horse. Dark Horse. Dark Horse. Burgers bro- books. Sounds like you're doing a Medea impersonation. I know. I need to stop. <laughs> that's what happens when I come in and drink a little too much before we begin. So that's why I'm so chatty. So enjoy it, people. Enjoy, enjoy Chatty Todd. Mm-hmm. Rock on. That's uh, Cool. Well, then we're going to go get another drink in uh, Chatty Todd and take a little bit of a break. And uh, when we get back, uh, this is your spoiler warning. So, uh, you know, here's your chance to go and read the book if you haven't done so already. And uh, we will see you on the flip side. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. When you have kids, it's almost impossible to find time to catch up on all your geeky obsessions. Comic books, TV, movies, games, we get it. Geek Parenting Podcast understands your pain and we are here for you. We're geeky parents just like you and we come together once a week to talk about what it's like to raise your little geeklings while staying true to your fandoms. New episodes every week. Find Geek Parenting Podcast wherever you consume your podcasts. Follow us on social media at Geek Parenting Podcast. Sorry, Stefan. Oh my. I said it's a problem. Whoa! Holy fuck balls. <laughs> fuck, I'm impressed. Are you, though? 
I, I, I'm uh, a little ashamed. I, I, I will fully admit you make me feel a little bit better about my recent purchases. Does but, that make uh, sense? So, you know, like we were at your comic book store and I bought one book. It's like, <laughs> oh, Todd's holding back. I'm like, am I? <laughs> I'm not sure well, I can say that. <laughs> I mean, be- between my most recent purchase on uh, in stock trades and then a few of the books I've gone to buy, I, I, I felt like I've been going a little off the wagon just a little bit, and I, you know, dude, that's just diving into the deep end. Yeah, you see there though, I was like holding out. I, I did one, then a week later, then I held off yeah. for two weeks, then I held off for like three weeks, then I held off for a month. Oh, I didn't even look at the time frame. Yeah, that. I oh, thought that. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Look at that. Wow. Todd's got a bit of a problem. I recognize this. I need a... It's a 12-step program? You know, yeah, I, I recognize it. I'm not sure I want to... I, I recognize I have a problem. I'm not in denial it's a problem. I'm not sure I care to stop yet, but I should. Wow. Right? There's nothing that really no, sobers yeah. you up going, oh, and this is exactly what you spent. And you're just like, fuck. Yeah, it is a sort of a kind of a terrible thing. Like, I don't think I'd want to see it on Amazon. You know what I mean? Of like, no, hey, this, this is, is terrible. Spent on I can't believe they're actually doing it this way. I have no problem with this is your history of your orders. But if you have it in a spreadsheet like this so much, it really mask it somehow in stock. Because... I'm wondering, I'm wondering if they tend to sell to like small bookstores and, and comic shops or something to that effect. You know what I mean? I don't think so. Because I was looking so? at... Because I've toyed with the, the idea you and I have talked about. It's yeah. You can do one-time orders through Diamond Publishing, too. Without okay. issues. Like, you just, like, you want to do a one-time ordering order? Email us and we'll talk. If you're an existing yeah. business type of a deal. And I can't imagine... Um, InStocks exists to make money. And even if they yeah. buy in high volume, there's still margin there. And yeah. they have enough margin to keep it going. So it's... Yeah, as I'm looking at this here, even now, I bet... I'm willing to bet they're still making 10-15% off of people like me. Yeah. If not 20. <clears throat> so... Yeah, so they're doing fine. But if there's a 20% markup to begin with, and I'm a retailer, I'm just going to go to the distributor and distributor yeah. themselves. And I'm not going to pay that extra markup in between. It's a needless middleman. But looking at this, you can see why I've toyed the idea of, I wonder what I can do to have my own diamond publishing <laughs> So. Well, I've also, I've wondered, and there's not really a good way of doing it, but because you have a tendency <laughs> to write, write, uh, get bigger volumes of things mm-hmm. I almost wish that I could keep track of how many issues I had compared to you because I feel like I have more trades but I think we might have an equal amount of actual issues of comic well I passed you with the purchase of Infinite Crisis on the bus oh yeah okay because how many issues is that it's 1200 pages it's the three inches thick is the volume <clears throat> oh my god yeah it is a fucking ginormous so if you even think about it so at 1200 pages um divide that by 22 which is your um typical issue yeah that's uh 54 issues divide that by six that's nine mm-hmm. trades in one book yeah i mean that that's just stupid it's too big it's I looked at this and I was like hearing things is there are procedures to um, relax the binding of omnibuses so you don't break them. Prior to reading them, there are things you must do with the book so you don't crack and break the binding <laughs> because the binding is so thick. And I'm like, this is fucking retarded. Did they send you instructions for that? No, I just go down rabbit hole. You looked it up? You, I, I like, you know, I watch too many YouTube videos because I'm 12. And yeah. People's like, oh, DC sucks. Their bindings break, and you see others in the comments going, "Well, you need to relax the binding first. And I'm like, "What's this fucking relax the binding? How do I relax the binding?" It's yeah. when you hear when you hear the safe word, right? Peaches, keeper. Yeah. yeah, there's that one right there. <laughs> and then like, how the fuck do you relax the binding? And then they go through this whole process. I'm like, to do this with this Infinite Crisis Omnibus, it's going to take like ten minutes because you're like. I'm going to explain it. You start out by having the book with the binding itself against the flat of the table. And then you open the very front cover and the back cover while holding all of the inner pages straight up. 
And then while um, alternating the back of the pages to the front of the pages, you move like 10 or 20 at a time, slowly putting them down until you're down in the dead center and everything's down. If you, um, and you have to do that depending on the size of the book a couple of times. Like so you can relax the binding so the glue doesn't rip apart and you have all this like, oh, this book sucks. The glue separated on my binding. I can't believe they made this piece of shit. The answer is you've got to break it in first. Hey, look, digital comics. <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. So, yeah. Yeah, that was the, the best thing I ever did was buying a Kindle because, I, I mean, I had so many, I had so many dozens of books from my move a couple years ago mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I mean, honestly I guess I took them all and donated them to like Sabres or something like that but I had it was like, it was like it two carloads I thought <clears throat> it was very freeing and yet crying I would cry and then be free afterwards yeah but then I got my Kindle and I every now and then you buy a book if it's like a book that needs like uh, sure the Broadway books ones on movies or something that have like a lot of pictures you want to flip through but mm-hmm. uh, for the majority of everything else it's all digital now so yeah alright so all right, shall we jump back in? Let's jump back okay. in. Uh, so, uh, who knows how much of that we kept in? Uh, <laughs> actually, there was, there was a great instructional video by by Todd there. It's, it really was actually. I mean, really, I don't know if that started with the horror of me seeing how much Todd has spent recently. Uh, it is. I'm comics. glad we haven't actually spoken it because, as it comes through, I'm, my wife's under the impression I spend more on ammunition than I do on books, and I'm like, that might be true. <laughs> It's not, but it might be. It might be true. It's not that far off. <laughs> How's that? So my two hobbies is shooting nine millimeter and buying comic books. So, yeah. So at the same time, it's true. So what I do is I bring out Boba Bo. <laughs> you know, and so here's the downside of digital: when you get truly mm-hmm. pissed that you bought this book, <laughs> I can shoot the paper one and feel better about myself. True. I bought digitally Nutjob, which I feel bad about because now I can't shoot it because there's no way in good lord's fuck I'm going to pay money for a physical copy for that thing now. Well, what you could do is when you are when you get a new phone, you could load that up on your old phone and then shoot your phone. Yeah, not as satisfying. I mean, <laughs> I want to be able to like shoot the name out of whoever wrote that garbage. Nut job. I don't even heard of that one. That's the that, one. Was the, that was the Deadpool that, book. Oh, Deadpool. Oh, okay. That was the Deadpool book we did. We all universally <clears throat> thanked Brian for. And I still am guilty and still apologize for it. Yes. Yeah. Fuck you, Brian, for making me read that. Yeah, I deserve that one. Okay. There you are. See, <laughs> Chatty Todd. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Well, so Chatty Todd, since you very rarely do this, do you want to give us the summary of the book? I mean, if you're going to be chatty, we might as well make you do it. <laughs> so, I'll summarize this. We'll see how bad it goes. I am take full effort of that. So, the lead character, the title of the book is called Mara by Brian Wood, drawn primarily by Jordan Ming Doyle. So, Mara is, this is a future set society, and uh, Mara was born and raised to be an athlete starting at six years old, much like the Spartans of yore. And she is a volleyball player like none other, kind of like how the Lakers were Kobe's team. Mara was um, the team. It was Mara and then the rest of the backup. I guess it was more LeBron. LeBron's even worse about that. You have LeBron who takes all of the money and then you have all the base rate people because there's no budget left. Um, So that's Mara here in volleyball. So she's amazing. She's awesome. And one day she doesn't do so well. She like passes out or has some sort of episode. And she's starting to um, show she has some powers beyond what's normal. The government gets interested. They want to turn her into a weapon. She's not quite so interested in that. She rebels, and um, there's a bit back and forth. And at the end of it, she's flying off and says, See ya, suckers. I'm leaving this place. And that's pretty much the summary of the book, right? Pretty succinct, yeah. 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 <clears throat> So that was going on. So yeah, the military went, ooh, you're special. We shall use you as a weapon in their greatest time of need. Besides that, we're going to lock you up. And she's like, yeah, there's, homie, don't play that. There's a little sub- subplot in there where like they mm-hmm. leave, let, let people believe that she's died. And, yeah. Uh, and they hold uh, her the life of her brother over her head saying that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you don't do what we want, then we'll kill him and then 
he's already dead. So yeah, he's he's been yeah. died. But it's like if we can prevent you from knowing that he's died, we can still use him as leverage. And she just yeah, she doesn't play that game. So she opted to. Um, there was a space colony effort to go into deep space, and she hitches a ride at the end and says, "See ya." And off she goes. And she pulls a <clears throat> Doctor Manhattan and just pieces the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you do. Like you do, but. I mean, that's pretty much the story. So, on the cover of this book, it says, Akira, Hunger Games, and Superman Collide. Yeah. Blurb. And, and, you know, that's fine. As it's going into it, you've got Mera. I mean, it's a nice girl power book in its own way. I mean, it's, um, she's a late, it's the lead character happens to be a girl. Her gender, I don't really think, at the end of the day, it's, um, the gender in and of itself is not. Well, and they kind of drop hints that she's a yeah. lesbian. Yes. She's got, well, they don't drop hints. It's there, yeah. She's fully there. She's in like she's in a relationship with her teammate. Yeah, yeah. so she's a lesbian, I mean, and she um, she doesn't know her parents much anymore. So she's close with her brother, who's a military dude, off in nonstop wars. Because they were twins, right? I think so. I think so they were twins, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. If, no, Maybe he's not. older. He's older, okay. Okay. But stay yeah. close with the brother. They talk when they can. So she's super famous talking with her brother, who's probably the only one that really treats him as treats her as, you know, kid sister. So, yeah, as it's going through here, and she just finds there's not a place for her left, and she doesn't. As she has more and more powers manifest. I mean, she gets full of invulnerability. She can fly. She's getting telekinesis. Telekinesis and a bit of she can uh, change matter. Changing matter around. She's really becoming a mini Doctor Manhattan or Akira of things going on and her connection is she's looking at the people on earth and realizing they're kind of ants to her and it's the um so there's a ants to her and often she just nopes out her understanding or the big things in those people's lives all of a sudden become very small to her and it's in her way so there's this general concept called the explanatory gap it's um it's like the uh, challenges if you have a person that's blind and been blind their whole life describe to them what the color red is and have them understand what the color red is and means. It's just kind of impossible to get there. And especially going, well, how is green different from red? And get what that means. You can't really get there with someone that's been blind. And so that gap in understanding is the explanatory gap. It's just, I can try and tell you, but until you experience it yourself, everything is just a shadow of what it actually is. So as her powers and understanding and ability to relate to anything that tied her down, as those grew and her you know, tied her down disappeared, she lost connection. And she's like, why am I still here? Life will be better if I just go right on out. Yeah. I've been like that a lot, too. <laughs> well, I mean, so I guess, I mean, this is a totally different thing, but like, in that perspective, though, if someone's completely blind, why would they need to understand what red and green are? I'm not exactly sure the well, context of that. I mean, I understand the, the idea of it, of the explanatory gap, but I just, I guess I'm just sort of sitting there going, okay. Well, I, I guess what's here it is with Mara, as things have grown, and she, so she's introducing, new powers are being introduced to her all the time. Yeah. And we're seeing, but there's probably also other things going on that has evolved as, or expanded in her own mind. Mm-hmm. To account for these, are there other things as a writer? How do you account for these other things as well? Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Okay, you've got Brian Wood with the challenge of his own explanatory gap to the reader of how can I show and get the reader to understand the um, growth and the evolution this character is going through. And I really see that as some of the biggest challenges. I mean, as our dear friend um, Tyson A eh, <laughs> would go through, is like that movie's a mind fuck. Yeah. Like the movie Brazil kind of broke him. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and it, a little bit, among other things. But as with the mindfuck, is I, I do not grok this. I'm trying to understand, and it's just, it stays with you. How is How do you, as a writer, express that um, existentialism as they were going through with things that we can't hope to understand? Or even the writer probably doesn't, but how do you express that across? And I find that to be fascinating. And that's where that Akira, when they say Akira meets Hunger Games, is you've got this star child as such mm-hmm. of this absolute next days of evolution that you just can't get across there. And it's, um, yeah, it's, I mean, this could be a, this is a, another very similar story to Childhood's End. Uh-huh. Or even um, 2001 in some ways, but it's actually quite close to Mirror's Childhood's End. That was kind of fun 
as well back in the day by well, I mean, what was that? Arthur C. Clarke. The the Superman sort of aspect also. I mean, the Superman learns this. I mean, what makes him interesting is he has these spectacular powers, but he has a humanity that was instilled from him, from his, you know, from the Kents, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because what really, I, I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, the interesting critique of this is is the manufacturing of her as a sports star. That sort of humanity is not in her. You know what I mean? Like she's taken away from humanity, and like to a certain extent, mm-hmm. she she expresses like concern for the well-being of you know younger volleyball players coming up and whatever. So like it's not that she's necessarily a bad person; has no humanity at all. But her she's been isolated so much that she, her connection with humanity, I think, is severely severed. I think that like if yeah, it's tenuous. Yeah, tenuous. So I think that if if she was in a situation where perhaps she was raised by her parents the entire time. You know, and her brother was still around, and she had still had that connection with him. I don't think you would see her flying off and saying, "Fuck this, I don't see it." I think that's also what you yeah. see with Doctor Manhattan is where, when his relationship with his yeah. wife ends, even as as you know strained as that was, that was his really last connection to humanity. You know what I mean? And so then that point in time, it's like, eh, fuck it, I'm out. You know what I mean? Right. She she lost it to his brother, and I even love the one thing where she gets truly pissed when she figures out her brother's dead, and she pulls all the nukes out of the silos and everything else. And the um, issue ends with all the nukes falling towards the earth, and she's like, "Did I really do this?" Nah. Yeah. Kind of felt like it though. Yeah, and it's, so, it's one of those things where she's also like, "Should I let them know that I took all the warheads out of it, or should I let them assume that I did it at the last minute and had a change of heart, or you know, what I mean, like, she's kind of like, eh, I'll let them assume whatever the hell they want to assume, you know?" Right. So I mean, there's with the humanity, she is. Um, it's not even a growing ambivalence, but it's going. I need to. I need a change of scene. Mm-hmm. As what's going at the end here, because I do not get these people anymore. I'm no longer one of them. This is no longer my tribe. Let's see what else is out there. Yeah. So. Okay. Right. Well, Adam, what are your thoughts? Since Todd and I have rambled on for quite a while. Sorry about that. You guys stole all my thoughts. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it was. It, it, you know, obviously the, the, the parallels to Superman are going to be there. Um, but in the Doctor Manhattan, and we already talked about. But yeah, it was just that she. Like that. I don't. I don't agree that she lost her humanity in the sense of her sense of decency and what's right and mm-hmm. wrong. Because mm-hmm. if that was the case, she would have nuked the yeah. world. Right. But she. But yeah. Once, once those last ties were gone, then it was like, hey, I, there's no need to be here anymore. And like, I guess it was also just the way they reacted to her. Like every single person in her life, like turned her back. So when she finally got fired and left the volleyball thing, mm-hmm. <clears throat> her teammates, and it might have even been her girlfriend, was like, oh, well, now we can finally we have a chance to play. We can finally actually get in the spotlight and not just be like yeah. standing behind you and I mean that would that would destroy me I mean that would be the if I had something like happen with like you know with Eddie or Clark or you know someone I'm in a relationship with like an utter betrayal like that that would that would make me snap and leave mm-hmm. and you know, I think and for and then finding out that her brother was really dead uh, if, yeah so there was nothing holding her keeping her there whereas like I said before Superman he's got his parents he's got Lois Lane he's got Jimmy Olsen he's got uh, you know, there's reason for him to be here. What I really enjoy, and as we're talking about this, in some ways, the story of Mara and Superman is kind of on the reverse, because you've got Superman as this alien brought up being instilled and finding reasons and ties to humanity and saying, this is where I belong. I may have come some, I may have been born somewhere else, but this is where I'm from. And then you've got Mara here of, this is where I'm from, and I don't see things to tie me. The things that tie me here are gone, so I'm leaving. Yeah. And, and all, it's, yeah, I find that kind of interesting. It had a really weird reaction for me, too, because, you know, I, I grew up in Southern California, and, you know, I, well, when I would go back and visit, I would get extremely homesick when I got back to, when I got back to Utah. Because, you know, you miss your family, and you, you miss seeing the things you see, and it's, there's a familiarity that's there. Yeah. That, uh, you know, you, even, if, even though Utah's my home now, I wasn't feeling up here sometimes. And it was a couple years ago I went back. It was, uh, I think it was actually, Brian, it was the year I met you okay. when we came down there too. Uh, and I told you, you're like, you're like, what do you look like? I'm like, think of like gay Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was like, we're going to get on uh, just fine. Yes. <laughs> so, but it was that trip that I was down there and so much had changed. And, you know, I, friends, you know, got married, had kids, like just, it was a different world. And it was the first time that I went to visit my family, it was in California. But I didn't feel like, oh, hey, I'm going home again. It was like, 
I'm going to a strange place because home's back in Utah. Yeah, yeah. And because there was there was just nothing really tying me there anymore. Like you know, my parents are there, of course. And I love my parents. Uh, but you know, my brothers have moved out. You know, they're all you know they're all married now and doing that kind of thing. So it just it, there wasn't anything that was keeping me there. So people are always like, oh, would you go back to California? I'm like, no, because there's I mean obviously like Brian, you're there, mm-hmm. uh, and I have like a couple friends who still live there that we we talk on a regular basis, but. You know, there's there's no driving force to be like, yeah, I, I miss this place. I need to go back and be a part of it again because that my mindset has changed and who I am now as a person. Obviously, it's completely different than I was 13 years ago because you know we all need to grow and change. But yeah, it's that that feeling shit out of like loneliness, like hey, I don't belong here anymore. That's how I feel when I go back and visit California. Well, and I mean, so. I've in my experience, I've found that I I came to the realization at a certain point in time that that concept of you know home. Although it has, it's tied to a location, it's also tied to a, tied to a time frame. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so, like, you can still live in your hometown, but it's not necessarily, like, your home, you know, your, your childhood experiences is not the same. You know I mean? All your friends are not necessarily there. You can't necessarily, you know, walk down the street and, you know, do whatever. So, like, there are certain elements of home that it's tied to a time frame. And so once you... Once that time frame is over, however, that's marked by either you moving out or you maybe graduating or, you know, somebody getting married and, you know, them moving out or whatever, that 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 time frame, that's part of what identifies it. So, like, it, mm-hmm. it, it's although I, I have corrected what the phrase you can't go home again, you know, it's, it's actually sort of a misnomer. There is a certain amount of the truth of, of what you identify as being like home or childhood or whatever does have to do with, you know. The, the time frame in which you know you're there as well as far as like if you're talking about going back to a childhood home or returning to that as well and, and so in this case in, in Mara's case the time frame that she knew where she was successful and she had her family or she had her, her brother and she had her girlfriend or whatever that time frame is over so her home you know I mean she's in that same scenario where it's like you know she can't really go back to that you know <clears throat> so yeah well that was deep and heavy I was just saying, okay, we're going pretty deep. well. It's, it's been that kind of week. I, for me, so. I get you. Well, I mean, and, and this this book is one of those. It's one of those interesting books. That's it sort of reminds me of a Vonnegut book in the sense of it seems relatively simple as far as story goes. Like it took Todd all of five seconds to describe the plot, but conceptually, there's there's a fair amount of depth to it, um, which I think leads us to probably being in need of a drink. Behold, Mr. we finally fulfill the second half of our Mr. title. And make with the fire water. Alcoholics transform. So, Mr. Adam, what is your cocktail for this week? Mine is called Ready Set Spike. Uh, so, what you're going to do is you're going to take one and a half cups of coconut milk, uh, and then Bacardi makes these uh, margarita fro- frozen concentrate. So, you do one can of that, uh, one cup of Bacardi rum, four cups of ice cubes. Uh, you blend a lot together uh, until it's nice and frothy, and then you pour into a glass and drink. Yay, mixed drinks. Well, it's kind of like something like, you know, because you know, summer's coming to a close, as this comes mm-hmm. out, it's, you know, fall's begun, but, you know, you think of volleyball, you think of the beach. So I was trying to think of a good, like, beach-type I gotcha. drink to go with that, so. Mr. Todd, what's your cocktail? Um, so my cocktail, I was thinking you're watching this person that just keeps, with powers and everything, amping up and amping up, and you have these drinks with you. So this one is a... Uh, combination of booze and energy drinks okay because that's the way it goes so what this one has though it is um it's got vodka some red blue yellow edition your san pellegrino aranciata so that's your orange and um that's what it is so you just take um two ounces of vodka three ounces of the yellow red bull and one ounce of your orange san pellegrino and a lime wheel you just put them into a drink you stir it around with a bar spoon with some ice cubes in it and there you go so it's a nice refreshing little cooler and we'll just call that the uh, super saiyan cooler the, there you go the, the, i'm sorry what was the name of that super saiyan cooler it's a tie back to dragon ball z goku that shit goku that shit it's on that's another dragon Poor ball Brian. Z. I, I got sorry. nothing on dragon ball z like that is a that is a big big missing point in my that and Pokemon. Your knowledge gap. Yeah, like Dude, I, I, I will say I absolutely love the uh, Dragon Ball Z Tree of Life arc. I, I watched the shit out of that one. So yeah. Is that on like Netflix or Hulu or anything like that? I have no idea. I watched that twenty years ago. Okay, maybe I'll have to hunt that down some point in time. Okay, so this may seem 
like an odd choice, but I'm going with it anyway. Uh, I'm doing a gin and tonic because I got an article on the best cocktails for athletes. So these are the lowest calorie cocktails you can have. And one of the lowest calories is a gin and tonic. It's also my go-to drink. If I go to a corporate bar uh, or restaurant and I don't trust the bartender to be able to make me something decent, so like a lot of times if I'm like at a concert or something like that, and I don't think the bartender can make you know something fancy, I order a gin and tonic. So uh, it is one and a half ounces of gin and tonic water. You add the gin to a highball glass, fill with fresh ice, and top with tonic water. If you want to be fancy about it, you can squeeze the lemon and lime wedges into a drink and uh, drop them in the glass and stir. And there is your very basic uh, gin and tonic. Uh, does anybody else have anything they want to discuss on this book? <clears throat> um, be in a good headset. We headspace when you read it. Yeah, you know. That's true in general of um, Brian Wood. When I first tried to read DMZ, the very first time, I was in the wrong headspace, and I just, I couldn't. I couldn't. I uh, reapproached it a number of months, maybe even a year or two later, and I was just digging it and absolutely loved DMZ. But you've got to be in the right frame of mind. No, it's true. Sure. Like, there are definitely books, like, I, I, I kind of have realized that, too, because my To Be Red Pile is back to a ridiculous degree. I feel like that happens about this time of year every year. Um, and uh, I feel like what ends up happening is is that there's certain books I buy at the time because I really want to read them, but then there are other books that I like. I'm in the, the proper mood for it, or I kind of go on like a reading, like like um, uh, like I, I sort of like start reading something very sort of like a specific style or, or like a, a specific line, kind of in an order. And so then something's mm. been left on the shelf until I can kind of cycle back to sort of that headspace or that mood to be able to you know watch it again kind of thing or, or read it again and so so i, I gotta get that so well yeah. cool do you guys want to go into final grades <clears throat> sure sounds good yeah jamie school is never a waste of time since we have 15 minutes until recess please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room it's report card time it's report card time It's report card time. I'm so fucking fun. God, please, no! 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 Uh, so for Brian Wood, for our writer, uh, what is your grade, Mr. Adam? I'm going to go with an A-. minus. He did a really good job. The book was really well written. You really get started to feel for these characters. Uh, the only thing I'm kind of docking little points for is it just, it did kind of, kind of be, become funny where it's like, suddenly, she, you know, she's just got this new power all of a sudden. And so that was just, that, that just kind of st- stood out to me. It was, it was still really cool and I still enjoyed it a lot. Um, but it just kind of felt like it was very much like, you know, let's just make her God kind of thing, which maybe that was what he was going for, but. Yeah, potentially. You know. uh, Mr. Todd. You know, I give this B plus A minus. I mean, this was a whole lot of fun of a sci-fi romp. So if you ever, um, for your Wing Commander fans out there from back in the day and whatnot, it's really reminiscent of that sort of thing. Even this author later wrote Robotech, and you can see potential elements sitting in there from that. Um, I rather enjoyed it. It had a very, um, I mean, there was a beginning, middle, and end. It didn't feel like to be a lot of fact going on, Mm -hmm. so it's... There wasn't a lot of wasted space and anything, so his pacing was well done, and there was a complete story, and it didn't... Add. Though at times with Adam was saying, it's like, oh, and what else is being added in here? It's um, It didn't see it needlessly extra just for the sake of it either. So he did a solid job, that's for sure. Cool, and um, I'm going to go with a... I'll go with a B plus. Uh, same thing everybody said here. I think, I guess, I'm only going a slightly lower grade an A because uh, it's not quite to like within divine status for me uh, so I'm kind of on my curve I'm docking it just a little bit uh, yeah. for Ming Doyle and uh, Jordi Belair I'm guessing and Clayton Klaus yeah. uh, for art and I think one of those guys I think it's Clayton is the uh, actual uh, um, uh, he's doing the um, why am I blanking on this a lettering. Uh, mm-hmm. What is your grade, uh, Mr. Todd? You know, I can go back to a B, B plus again. It's solid work. It fits the story well, and even some of the flashbacks, how they did it. It's um, They had a good time of it. The backgrounds oftentimes were sparse and suggested as much as anything. 
So you've got the main characters going on, but the backgrounds were always really you know, sparse and limited, but it really worked for the story. And it, um, the art serviced the story really well, and they did not seem to be in a competition or in a, or at odds. So yeah, solid B. I enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, Mr. Adam? I'm going to go with a B plus uh, for all the same reasons that Todd said, and it was it was really interesting. It was really well done, um, and, and Todd's a lot smarter than me, so he said it better. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my life, sir. Um, and uh, <laughs> we've been friends since I was 12. I'm just used to it. Um, and uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'll go with a B plus. Like it's a good solid, solid, solid show uh, or solid uh, comic. Uh, cool. So for overall grades, uh, Mr. Adam. Uh, a minus. I, I really enjoyed this. I, I almost wish it wasn't just a one-off because it was the kind of book that makes me want to go see what happens next. Yeah. Um, and, and who knows down the road? Maybe they will do that. But that being said, I mean, her story, <clears throat> as much as it's going to go forward, there's a lot more that she's going to be doing. I mean, she'll probably go out and create worlds or something, you know, when, when that happens. Uh, it's a one-shot. It does an amazing job of, you know, telling a story succinctly and, you know, you can you can put, put it down when you're done with it and be satisfied. Mm-hmm. So even though it'd be nice to have more, uh, not ever getting that doesn't you know doesn't upset me. Kind of like with American Jesus, which I'm still waiting for the fucking sequel to that. And that right, because <laughs> that you you want to see what happens. Uh, but no, it was it was really well done, and I definitely want to go check out more of his work. So, well, uh, Mr. Todd, you know it's I'm going to give this a B plus. The I enjoy it. One of the great things. So this book came out on Image, and mm-hmm. what you can say about Image and the nature of it is. Um, image means the work is writer create creator owned so they're writing it because they want to contractually mm-hmm. obligated to right it's why do they put this out well he had this idea for the story he wanted to go now we're all here in the world to make a buck don't get me wrong but this is how he chose to spend his time and get it out so he had an you can tell of the interest and the passion and whatnot he had him telling this kind of giving this story a try mm-hmm and so, and I really think he did a solid job, and he's, you know, he's experimenting with different things, and it's a, it's a fun sci-fi role in that way. So you've got this main character of this girl woman, you know, who's a volleyball player, and he's um, finds out that she's so much more than that, and yet she still doesn't lose who she. In that aspect of it, is that she doesn't. Um, I never feel like she sheds her gender either. So he yeah. does a good job. He does a great job writing people. Yeah, um, and I'm gonna go with a. I'll go with the B plus overall. Um, I think generalized. I really liked it. It's just it's one of those books that like, I liked it. It was good. I would recommend it to a lot of people. But it's not one of those books of like, you absolutely have to fucking read this right this second. Um, you know, there's a lot of great things in it, and if you're already a comic book fan, I think you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But it's not one of those like, hey, I'm I'm new to comics and I want to read what some of the best of what comics have to offer. It's not quite on my list there. No, it is. Where this falls into, it's like, oh, that Brian Wood was really good. What else by Brian should I read? Yeah. And I, I put this among the list of these are solid works. Yeah, completely. completely. It's not going to be your favorite, but it is solid, and there's nothing really bad to say about it. It's, it's a good endeavor. So, yeah. Cool. Um, well, cool. Before we get into recommendations, uh, next week we begin our month of Halloween, uh, or October here. So we are... Uh, calling it Halloween in 3D. It's our third Halloween volume, so we are uh, doing a... We've been around that long? We've been around three Halloweens. Yeah, how weird is that? Uh, So, uh, the first book is one that uh, Mr. Adam Adam would recommend to me a long time ago called Witch Doctor, uh, which will be next week. Um, uh, Followed up by Clean Room, and then we're doing uh, Justice League Dark Volume 1. And they're doing a book mm-hmm. called Plastic. And then um, we are going to be doing what seems to become a tradition for us. We always do at least one Archie book, it seems, at Halloween time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are doing yep. Jughead the Hunger. And as I think Maya pointed out to me, um, speaking of which, Maya will be back next week. I yes, think. we miss yes. you, Maya. Um, uh, I think next by next Halloween, we might have Vampronica out. So we might be able to continue the streak for four years. Uh, but so yeah, we'll finish up with the Jughead the Hunger. Uh, Mr. Adam, can you give us a quick preview as to next week's book, uh, Witch Doctor? So I, I haven't read it for a very long time, but basically it's this guy. He's um, he is kind of an investigator. He also he knows all about monsters, and he goes out, sets out to kind of like kill them or capture them. Um, well, he actually does have the service of some monsters in his employ, but it's just this really messed up, funny little book. I mean, like uh, in one of the issues, there's this parasite that infects babies. 
and it based, and the only way you can find out is if if it's a baby or the parasite is to pick the baby up and shake the fuck out of it. And if it freaks out and, and transforms the parasite, you got a parasite. If it doesn't, you just probably kill the baby. So, so it's a, it's got a lot of really dark humor in it, but it's a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to go back because I, I read this like back in 2007 or eight or, eight or nine. It was like it was the year that um, Scott Pilgrim came out. So it's it was a long time ago. So, but I'm, I'm, I remember I enjoyed it a lot. So, for all your babysitting needs, contact Adam McDonald. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Um, so that'll be next week. Some shaking baby. Um, and then, uh, who has some recommendations? They're just dying to get off their chest. I do. Okay. Um, so this movie came out. It was record this. It's it just came out, I believe a month ago. It was a really small independent film by Bloomhouse Productions. Uh, it's called Upgrade. Uh, this is kind of if you would have put a symbiote in instead of like the spider ship, you could have said this is like a really good Venom movie. Because mm-hmm. basically, this guy, um, it's in the future. He and his wife are coming back from this uh, this thing, and they have self driving cars. Something hacks the car, and they flip over. Well, when they do, all these guys who have this car uh, kill the guy's wife and paralyze him. So he's a quadriplegic. So he's given this opportunity by this like rich, like millionaire—I mean billionaire—investor guy that um, he's got this microchip that he can implant in his neck that will basically let him walk again. It'll kind of like control his body. So he says, he does it. Uh, things are great. He's happy to be walking around again. Uh, when suddenly he starts hearing a voice in his head, and sure enough, the chip that's helping control his body has its own AI sentence, and is talking to him, and I'm not going to say any more because a lot of cool stuff happens. Uh, this is one of the most violent movies I've ever seen. Uh, there's a couple scenes where I was watching it with Eddie and Clark, where all three of us were like, holy fuck! Like, it, it's it's pretty brutal, and, but it's a lot of fun. It's really great. Um, the I saw the twist coming, and, and it wasn't the twist, so that was always kind of a cool thing to happen to me. Uh, but yeah, just go out and buy it. It's it's amazing. It's one of the best things I've seen all year. And to see what they were able to do with just five million dollars uh, shows that you can you can still make an amazing movie on a very very limited budget. So, cool, uh, Mr. Todd. Do you have any recommendations? Um, there's two things I want to recommend. Um, so book wise and everything, um, if you enjoyed this with Brian Wood, he has a two trade series called Starve. I've probably recommended it before, and it's uh, The Running Man meets Iron Chef as a competition and um the art is not that dissimilar from dmz okay i would give it that but the um so you've got this live telecast where these people are in a television competition show it's like you must beat this gang of 40 people and then you must also make barbecue for 100 people in 24 hours (laughs) and it kind of just goes from there it is silly stupid over the top awesome but at the same time this guy who's starring in it is coming back trying to make a comeback and he's trying to rebuild a relationship with his daughter and his horrible ex-wife is the producer of the show and it's you know it's over the top and yet very personal and it does a great job so the other thing i do want to bring up though the other day it's um it was kind of fun so in london on the west end their prince harry of england um has this charity or whatnot and they were doing a um, all proceeds of a production of Hamilton was being performed there and at the end of it coming out Harry saying thank you is we've got Prince Harry the Windsor grabs the microphone stands there a moment and then he belts out and utters um, the first two words to the song you say so for those that have seen Hamilton realize that was Harry's grandfather with a few greats thrown in there <laughs> that that was written about. So talk about a guy having a good time. Good on you, Harry. <laughs> good on you. So yeah, that was it. Cool. Um, and then I've been in sort of a falling down a, a little bit of a rabbit hole of true crime TV show documentary type things. Um, and the one I've liked the most, mainly because I felt like I had a more satisfying ending uh, recently, was it's uh, semi new to Netflix when we're recording this. Uh, it's called Evil Genius, um, and it's about um, a very interesting and bizarre case from, uh, I think it's the 90s, maybe early 2000s, uh, about a guy who walks into a bank with a bomb strapped to his chest and uh, robs the bank, um, saying that you know the bomb will explode if he doesn't rob the bank, and then the police stop him, and then the bomb goes off. Um, and it is sort of the, the backstory as to who was really responsible for what happened 
um, and and how all this went down. And uh, it's it's pretty interesting. I think it's only like four episodes, like four hour long episodes, or whatever. But I really really dug it. Um, I was also reading. Uh, I was also watching a book, uh, a show called The Keepers, which moves significantly slower, um, and it's about a uh, a nun in the late '60s who ends up missing and then eventually comes up uh, murdered. And it's about uh, the potential. Like they never really prove much of anything. That's kind of the thing that frustrated me by the end of it. But it's about the potential cover up by the Catholic Church and the. Baltimore Police Department and all sorts of stuff that way, but uh, yeah, the Catholic Church uh, never covers anything up. Oh no, no, and like, and there's some definite, like, obvious, like, they're, they're standard modus operandi because this is also before you know Spotlight and all that stuff. But like, they show you know them moving, like, knowing that a priest was you know being an asshole, and then they you know are you know I mean he's like uh, he's molesting children and I mean I mean raping teenage girls. Like, it's it's pretty fucked up, and they. They just moved him to a different place. You know what I mean? They just keep moving around and keep avoiding the problem. I mean, I know Adams had similar experiences, uh, you know, at the church he grew up in. I think we just talked mm-hmm. about that a couple weeks ago now. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so like that one, just because of the pacing, I didn't like quite as much, but Evil Genius, I really enjoyed. And that sort of has set me down sort of a rabbit hole of uh, Netflix true crime TV shows. So uh, that's what I've been watching this week. Um, does anybody else have anything else? Nope, I think it's all good. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, so that will do it for uh, this week and this month of Sports Ball. Uh, thank you for listening. Sports Ball. And so uh, join us next week for uh, Halloween with uh, Witch Doctor. Sorry, Goodbye. Dr. Demento always comes to my mind when I hear that. <laughs> witch Doctor. I'm like, I tell the Witch Doctor. Dr. Doctor, I'm in love with you. Did you see that uh, when Weird Al got his uh, star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, um, Dr. Demento let him wear his hat, his top hat? Oh really? No. Yeah, that's cool. An image of it. It was pretty cool. That's fantastic. I, I had a, a friend of mine um, that I work with. He he's a drummer who, when Weird Al's on tour, this guy covers all of Weird Al's drummers' local gigs. Like he plays with a lot of local cover bands and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so my buddy Matt does that. So he went up to that ceremony, and I was like, "Son of a bitch! If I wasn't working, I would have gone up myself as well." <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, anyway, so yeah. Well, cool. Uh, Listen to more Weird Al, and uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. That was a good one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Maya wasn't wasn't here to fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, Maya. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.